Naturalized. This is the beautiful game described by two ugly gentlemen. Glory to Columbus. Who are probably sitting at a soccer bar near you. McBride's in the box. A hard cross. McBride scores. It's 3-0 United States. Welcome to Bone and Bean United. Happy Soccer Podcast Day. What is up? I'm Bone. And I am Beam. Woo! We are... We are feeling good this morning, baby. This is, uh, you know, usually we do these uh, recap episodes right after the action in the evening after all that's done, but we wanted to take either way. We knew we were going to need some time to process what was happening in yesterday's action. So that's why we're posting this a little later than normal. But yeah, we got to see the U.S. national team advance to the round of 16. So first of all, congratulations. Way to go, U.S. This is awesome. Um, So we are going to talk about that game today. Obviously, we will talk about the upcoming opponent for the U.S. and how the other side of the group went because Group A also got settled yesterday. Uh, Lots to get into on this podcast. But of course, we're going to focus mostly on the U.S. national team. Beamer, how was Zaftig? How did you enjoy watching this game? And uh, what did you think overall the performance? Uh, Zaftig was great. It was fantastic. Had my normal spot at the bar. So that was good. Um, got to get your name on the chair. I do need to get my, I got to talk to the people, good people, fine folk over there uh, make sure I get, get my name on the chair. I didn't get too crazy. All right. We know last week I got a little crazy. That's all right. It was allowed. It's the first time you've seen the U S in a world cup uh, in eight years. So I was excited and there was a good buzz in there for the game. It was all pretty good. And then he scored the goal. Obviously place went nuts, went electric, and we can get into that a little bit more. Uh, and then it became very tepid, <laughs> became a little bit nerve wracking yeah. uh, in there towards the second half. But no, man, it was, it was fantastic to see this game actually went a little bit different than I thought it would. Um, so I was thinking at least in the line of Iran, what they would try to do, because remember if Iran just drew the game. That's why it was such high stakes. U.S. needed to win. Iran needed to draw. Okay, upper hand to Iran just on, you know, not having to score a goal technically uh, unless they go down. So I, I forecasted the way that this game was going to go. Uh, I thought it was going to be 20, 25 minutes of Iranian press. Like you were going to see that yep, at the beginning yep. of the game. They were going to try to wear the legs out of the U.S. men's national team players, and then they would maybe shrink back into a shell kind of for the last 20 to 25 minutes. Tell you what, man, what I was impressed with is the U.S. from Jump Street, like from the jump, uh, were aggressive in this. And I just didn't think that was the way that Greg Berhalter managed these teams. Like, hey, sustain the press. You know, they're going to like let them tire themselves out as well. And then we're going to go on the tack for the last half. Man, it was totally opposite of what I thought coming into the game, uh, what actually happened, because you had a lot of good opportunities, and it goes back to the old adage, if you can't put the ball in the back of the net, then you don't deserve to move on in these tournaments, and thank God, golden boy, Captain America, whatever you want to call him, he delivered on the biggest stage, and I have been a guy who hasn't been very high on Christian Pulisic for the U.S. men's national team. You know what? My apologies. What a great header by Serginio Dest. Beautiful. Pulisic flying through, getting his insides obliterated by the Iranian keeper. That's the cost of freedom. And he put it in, and he just demolished that goal. And then, obviously, he went out for the rest of the game. But, again, I have not been very high on him. I think if you're going to take the onus of, I'm the guy, I'm the best player on the team, you need to show up. And guess what? In the biggest game, he finally did that. He did, man. And I'll tell you, it's been a long time coming with him because – Obviously, we know about the failure four years ago. That's not all on his shoulders. Clearly, it's mostly on the guys who are around him at that time. But 
he bore a lot of the brunt of that because he was one of the up and coming faces of us soccer and didn't get to go to the world cup. And then it became all right. Well, why, why was that generation behind him? The one or the one ahead of him, I should say, why weren't they as good as they could have been? And Mm -hmm. why couldn't he do more to drag them to that world cup? And that's not really fair, but there's been you've the commercials been out there about the pressure, the pressure, the pressure, and they've they've marketed this because everyone James of soccer, right? I mean, <laughs> yes, of course, all this stuff has been quite honestly, some mm-hmm. of it is over the top because I think Christian Pulisic ticks off a lot of boxes in the sense that he is from like small town America, yep. came up playing like on the youth soccer fields in Hershey, Pennsylvania, and then yeah, I mean. Kind of ignore the fact that when he was, what, 11 or 14 or whatever it was, he flies over to Germany and is training over there with dad, rearranging their lives and moving the family over there so he can go do that. I mean, obviously, at some point you have to go get higher levels of training if you're going to be a professional soccer player, that whole thing. But he does fit kind of the youth soccer model of, like, came up through the ranks the way that U.S. soccer wants you to. They hope you will Mm -hmm. is, you know, being somewhat of a product of of this. A little more international flair than Brendan Aronson. Well, true enough. Right. I mean, some of these guys actually played at the academy in yeah. the U.S., and then they go overseas when they're older teenagers, that kind of thing. But in either case, Christian Pulisic got that mantle put on him of, you know, could be the greatest talent we've ever produced. Now there are other guys knocking on that door, yeah. right? There's a Which big question. Which is great for us. I love the fact that Landon Donovan doesn't hold as many records anymore. Not because I don't love Landon Donovan. I do. I have huge respect for Landon Donovan, but we can't, we can't have Landon Donovan have been the pinnacle of us soccer. And then that's it. And now Christian Pulisic had a lot of these records about youngest guy to do this youngest guy to play this many minutes, teenager who played this moment. He got passed yesterday yeah. in minutes by a teenager. We will talk about that more in a second. Cause a birthday boy yesterday had mm-hmm. a hell of a game. Yes, he did. But I, you know, one thing I want to point out with Pulisic's goal, cause you're right. He's flying through the air, picturesque type of goal, right? Like that photo is going to be oh, on a million, a just, million yeah. basements and walls yep. and screensavers and T-shirts t- and whatever, man. Whoever has the name, image, and likeness rights to that photo is going to make a bank. I'm sure he has some rights to it too, but I will tell you this. So there's, and I'll give a shout out to uh, one of our youngest listeners who I, I, I know listens to our podcast sometimes. His name is Alex. Uh, my friends, uh, the Brockman family, Alex, their son, he plays soccer. Um, and he is, he's like same age as my oldest daughter. Okay. He's, he's like 12. This dude knows soccer better than I do. Watches every, watches Champions League. He should do our Premier podcast League. then. Maybe we'll have him on as a guest. But Maybe I know he can like. take my job. <laughs> and his parents, by the way, his parents were like high school sweethearts. They were in. I forget if they were in in 98, if it was the 98 or 02 World Cup, where they were like, they were in another country, but it wasn't where the World Cup was going, but they were like out watching the games. Then they've traveled all over the place to watch the U.S. national team play. They are season ticket holders for the crew and have been since pretty much day one. Like that family is an epitome of what soccer fandom in the U.S. can be, right? Where it's like they've watched soccer forever. Their kids are into soccer. Their grandkids will be into, you know, like that Mm -hmm. whole thing. But I, I thought of Alex and I thought of a lot of kids like his age when I saw that goal go in. Cause I'm like, I remember Alex showing up to like a, a function wearing the Polisic Jersey a couple years ago. Like I remember these kids wearing like Dortmund Jersey, seeing that going on. And then now obviously 
He's with Chelsea, became big on the radar for everybody, but Christian Pulisic has a lot of, like, the next generation who got to see that. They got to see one of their heroes shine yesterday, and I think that's super cool. I was asking my oldest, because she has a cell phone. Did you oh get boy. to... Well, she has one, and so does every kid in sixth grade now, apparently. <laughs> Actually, it's like every kid in fourth grade, because my fourth grader is also like, can I have a phone? Everyone has a phone, and I'm like, no, you got to wait till sixth grade, mm-hmm. but I said, are did you guys get to hear about the game at all while you were at school? And she said, oh, yeah, all the kids have had their phones out all during the World Cup. Yeah. They've been talking about it nonstop. That's great. Right? Yeah. Like, I don't mean to make this Meredith too big of a moment, but... In her classroom yesterday. Yeah, right. Like, during she's, the U.S. games, she's teaching, obviously. Um, so, yeah, during the game yesterday, she had it on in the class, I think. I yeah. Don't know. Maybe yeah. she was aware of... I just know that she watched the game somehow. Right, she had it on somewhere that she could get access to it. All I know is this, like... It's, Teachers who do that are cool. the best, it's, by the way. They are great. That's that's right, by the way. You should do that for big moments. Like I remember, I remember going back to high school and watching Ohio State and Michigan play in the Big Ten basketball tournament and Evan Turner hitting the half-court shot in math class, who our teacher was a Michigan fan. And yeah. I just remember our entire class going nuts. Like That is a vivid life mem- core memory oh, that I have. Right. These are these are the memories that make your fandom grow. Like as a kid, where you get to remember where you were when Christian Pulisic scored that goal. I hope I hope some kids got to watch it at school or at least got to hear about it. But what I know is that moment was so big, not just for U.S. soccer, but for fandom of U.S. soccer, for fandom for the kids who grow up watching this stuff and always they they've heard we're not that good or they they watch the Premier League and they're like, yeah, there's not as many Americans in the Premier League or whatever. Maybe we're not as good as England. I think tying England zero to zero for kids who follow soccer, they get it. They saw that performance was great. And and now you get to see them actually go out and get that victory and take it to the next level. So not to get too philosophical on that, but a huge moment there. The other thing I will say about that goal, and this is, I'm glad it kind of set up this way. Honestly, if the U S had the option of like a tie could get us through, but a win definitely gets us through. I was taking the win all day. Yeah, but I'm saying like no, I said that literally to someone yesterday at Zaftik. It would have. I like, think oh, that would be better been if worse. we were in that position to be Iran. I'm like, no, I'd no. rather have to know that you have to go out and bag a goal and win. You can't this game. win a game by not scoring. Yeah, simple as that. You you know you have to score goals. Would have been 90 minutes of the last 10 minutes, and yeah. I want no part of that. No, I would have wanted no part of that either. But that that was something to see. Like, and you knew how much it meant. I mean, Pulisic sacrifices body. All these he guys got crushed. He got absolutely obliterated. And and I sorry to just keep like ramrodding my thoughts down here, Beamer. Feel free to cut me off anytime. But shut up, Bone. One other thing that I, I get frustrated with, and I'll just say it here, when it comes to injuries in soccer, why is it when an NFL player gets like a twisted ankle or gets a, a knock or whatever, a basketball player gets hit under the basket and collision, he goes off, puts ice on his forehead, you see him go up the tunnel. And then, like, in the third quarter, that guy comes back out, and everyone's like, oh, hey, look how tough this SOB is. He's back out there playing. That guy got 20, 30 minutes to go, like, get the injury sorted, check to make sure he's okay, maybe get some pain meds or whatever they're allowed to do, and then get his energy back, get his adrenaline going, and get back out and play. In soccer, you either have to sub off for the rest of the game immediately or you have to go back out there. So when a guy lays there. And in the meantime, your team is playing with 10 men. Yeah, but I'm saying like when when guys lay on the ground for two or three minutes and they're like grabbing pain and they're laying there and then eventually they hop up and they start running and I know there are guys that fake injuries. I know there are guys that time waste, 
But there are legitimately times where you get your ankle stepped on, you get your knee hit, and you lay there for a couple minutes because it hurts, and you know you can't just pop back up and then get subbed out five minutes later and come back in ten minutes later, like in a football game or a basketball game. You have to make sure you're 100% right in those minute or two yeah. you get to lay That's on the ground. Point, I'm just actually. saying, like, why do we look at it as when a guy pops up after two minutes of being injured as like, man, what a wuss. Look at that wuss faking an injury. He hopped up and kept playing like Polisic did. I know he was limping around, yeah. but he went back out there and played to try to make it to halftime just to give Burhalter whatever option he needed to decide if you want to get someone ready at halftime, great. They wanted to see if he could go. I'm sure he wanted to stay in. Mm-hmm. But, like, people were saying, like, you know, I'm, I'm in the office. There are people here that don't watch soccer who are like, ah, oh, look at this guy. What a wuss. And it's like, that dude got crushed. He got that guy absolutely was obliterated. swiftly escorted to the hospital. Yeah, before the a picture game was of over. him out of hospital to make sure he's okay, but he went out and played on the injury. When a guy in soccer lays on the field for 10 minutes or five minutes or two minutes and then hops up and keeps playing, it's like, ah, oh, look at these wussy soccer players. But when a football player goes out for two quarters, gets three shots of God knows what, and comes out in the fourth quarter limping Warrior. around, we're like, Warrior. And it's like, nah, man. Look at this guy. You can't sub out and sub back in in soccer. If you want to stay in the game, you got to get up and go. And so that's why sometimes they lay on the ground for two minutes, writhing in pain. It's also a natural resting point in which they don't get ever. I know. I had somebody actually said to me on Twitter, like, how much are they actually running? It's like, go go look anywhere. Nowhere else in sports do you run more than in 9.83 kilometers. 10K. That's six miles. Six miles, and they're not just running to run. They're running as fast as they can. Whatever. Speaking of covering ground mm-hmm. and running, my God, Tyler Adams, Eunice Musa, Weston McKenney, this midfield. It's great. Holy bleep and bleep, Beamer. Like, I, I have not seen a midfield like this for the U.S. In, I mean, Claudio Reyna had his moment. Like, he was he was really good. If you're if you're not old enough to remember him, he had some moments clearly like what like what you saw with Tyler Adams yesterday. But Tyler Adams has been a boss this tournament. Yeah, and he was the guy coming in that you knew he was going to do this. I I, I love him. I'm buying, I haven't bought it yet. I'm buying a Leeds United jersey of his because I already have my Brendan Aronson. I got to get the Tyler <laughs> Adams. I have to get it. But I, tell, I might I might also go get a Valencia jersey for you. I'd Eunice hold Musa. off on the purchase on that because I'm <laughs> pretty sure that he's going to be going to a different club, bigger club no here shortly. Hidden, dude. How much money has Eunice Musa made in this uh, tournament? Millions. Millions of dollars. Such a good player. I, I'm just, I, I, I wish people, I hope people are understanding that who are listening to this. What you're seeing from this midfield is unlike anything I've ever seen for a U.S. national team. And I've been watching it since 2002. I mean, I've not seen a U.S. national team that is a midfield that is defensively and turning the ball into the offensive third. I've not seen a midfield that is as dominant as this one. And I thought Weston McKinney, out of those three guys, played the worst. Yes, I don't think Weston McKinney is, of those three, I'm just putting him in there because he's also part of that. And I know the quality's there from him, and he's going to have a banger of a game at some point. But Tyler Adams is just... How about how about him wearing the captain's armband being, what is he, 22? 23, yeah. 23. Tim Ream is on the field. He actually captains a Premier League team, yeah. for God's <laughs> sakes. And he's not the captain. Why? You know why. Tyler Adams is a bad man. By the he way, well done for bad man. man. In that press conference the other day, that was oh God, as rational and reasonable as a human being could be. 
yeah. and the kid is 23 years old. I, he, I said to myself, I'm like, that's your, that's why he's your captain. If you didn't see it, Greg Berhalter and Tyler Adams were answering questions, and the Iranian state media was asking everything from, you know, Tyler Adams, why do you feel comfortable supporting the U.S. when you know there's racism in the U.S., you know? From that to they were asking Greg Berhalter about inflation. Who does he think the world is cheering for in they, this game? They were asking about uh, – they asked him about comments that, that – um, Jurgen Klinsmann made, and he's like, I don't go ask Jurgen Klinsmann. Mm-hmm. I I replaced that dude. Why do you want it? I mean, not him technically. You replaced right. Bruce Arena, but Bruce Arena replaced him because he sucked. Anyway, point is like, <laughs> why 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 are they doing that? And the answer was they they were trying to spin the narrative away from all the bad press that the Iranian you know actual government has been generating. By the way, did you see this? And this sucks. I felt for those Iranian players as much as I wanted my team to win. You saw the heartbreak on their faces because yeah. this this would mean so much to them, and they're under so much pressure. Oh, there are course. the reports that their families are being threatened if they don't sing the national anthem. Like just, which good job FIFA way to show those guys up close. Like I could see their cavities. Yeah. Why did you have to show their mouths and their? Mm-hmm. Why not show them from the back? Give them a little. I mean, I know they had people there watching. They would have found some way to see, but. FIFA was like, oh, people's families are being threatened for seeing the national anthem. We'll make sure we zoom in on the national anthem to every one of these guys' faces. I know they do that for almost every national anthem. By the ever, way, quick aside on that. Don't do that. But when they, when all the, the nations sing their national anthem, it kicks so much ass. Oh, yeah. Like I was, watch, I was watching it's Portugal so and Uruguay the other day, and just every player from both teams were just belting it out. Full force. Yeah. And I just, I'm sitting there watching it and yeah, I enjoyed that game as well. I enjoyed just watching those guys and what it means for them to represent their individual nations. I dude, it's such a cool thing. The world cup is this great thing where you get to see how much passion there is for these countries and for these players who have worked their whole lives to get to wear that Jersey. Because unlike anything else in the world of soccer, like that one is more earned than anything else. Yeah, Like you don't, you know what I mean? Like there are guys who are going to get looks or trials because of their agent is good or they they know someone who, or, I mean, hell, this guy's having a great tournament, by the way, too. Tim Way is awesome. Mm-hmm. But Tim Way is playing for PSG because he's really good. Also, his dad played there. Right. Like there's, there, you can't tell me that some of that didn't help him get a look by PSG. And now obviously he's moved on from there. Now he's with your boys, Lyle. Lyle. <laughs> Slash Lillet, slash Lil, slash... However you pronounce it. What I know is Tim Weah, his dad is the president of a country, but right now he's the most famous Weah on the planet at the moment because he is having a great tournament too. How about that, by the way? The president of Liberia is in the locker room. (laughs) Because he's also the team, he's the team dad. That's kind of cool. Provide orange slices at halftime for the boys. Amazing. Amazing. The first lady, too, of, of you know, his mom. Of a country. There too. Of a country. On planet Earth. Yeah. Yeah, it's amazing. It, you know what else, also made you speaking about, Tim Weah? So, where were you at? And I, we can get to this at the end of the game. No, no. I about no. had an aneurysm. Where were you at on the missed opportunities and the missed chances? Weah scores the goal. He was offside. <sighs> um, I, I tell you, man, I feel like in an era where we don't have, like, a number one, why is the ref raise the flag there? That's what I said. I'm like, first of all, this you looks have, f- super close on that 3D animated exacto spots that they're doing. Yeah, but yeah. Then the ref raises flag. I'm like, yeah, you got it right. But that has been such a topic of conversation over the last couple of years since VAR has been introduced. Put your flag down and let it go to the video yeah. replay. Because for people who aren't following that, like once he raises his flag, the Over. goal can't count. Yeah. 
even though it was still being played, the goalie's making a stop. It he's can trying count to, after the play is complete. Yeah. And if he raises his flag, then yeah, if the yeah, as long as the ball goes in the net, they're going to check it for offside anyway. They're going to check it for everything. They every goal is reviewed, mm-hmm. so they're going to look at all that. Leave your flag down. Don't call him offside when he's. Cl- it wasn't like there was any danger, by the way. Too, it's not like there were three guys charging at each other. This guy was getting alone on net, and you decided to raise your flag. It's poor officiating, even though he got the call right. Because I don't think in real time there's any way he saw no. that it was a hands width of a shoulder blade or whatever. That yeah. VAR shows it was barely offside, but still bad by the referee. Um, let's talk about. We talked Tyler Adams. We talked Eunice Musa. Let's talk about a couple guys from Fulham, Fulham America, full America, as it is Anthony Jedi Robinson guy, dude, what a game he had yesterday flying. I mean, late in the game, it got to him because he was yeah, covering heavy. a ton of ground, but mm-hmm. man, he is just, how many crosses did he whip in yesterday? So Jedi yesterday had eight crosses that he whipped in. One was accurate. Three of five on long balls, which is good for 60%. He was 76% passing as well. Uh, for his stats yesterday, he won two out of four ground duels and two out of two aerial duels. But my God, was he covering just oh. a load! I'd love to see, I'd love to see side. how many miles he ran yesterday because it had to be a ton. He was he was unreal. The amount him and I mean I've been t- I've been gushing about Tyler Adams this whole tournament, but he he covers monstrous loads of ground. I mean that, that oh yeah, and winning the most tackles, and by the way, also completing the most passes. Yeah, right. I saw that. Uh, I, I had a couple people tweeting saying, why did Pulisic get man of the match? And it's like, cause he scored, he scored the goal. I mean, that that's usually what's going to, I know he didn't play the second half. That's if you score, was man of the match for you to me, to me was yeah. yes. It, but you could make a case every match this tournament so far, it's been either him or Tyler Adams. Mm-hmm. They've both been incredible, but another guy who has a real case for man of the match. And I did not think I'd be saying this after three games. Hello, Tim Ream. Well, I am sorry for any doubt I ever had about you. Tim Ream's been great for the most part. It's a, thought, it's a, it was great choice by Greg. Yeah, it was great. Choice. I didn't see it coming. I didn't think it was a smart move. I did. I am. I will eat crow on that a hundred percent. He is. He knows what he's doing out there. He is a veteran. Solid move. I, Tim Ream's been awesome in this tournament so far. He has had a, especially when Zimmerman didn't go yesterday. I was dude. I was floored yep. when, when Zimmerman gets not gets taken out of the lineup. I thought there's gotta be an injury. He puts in Cameron Carter Vickers, yeah. who who had a good game. I wouldn't say it was a great game. Was he fine. had a couple. He had a couple itchy moments, but Zimmerman being able to come in off the bench was huge. Was a big deal. I man. don't want to do that coming up. No, no, no. I think that <laughs> was a one time only. Good. Yeah. Maybe he's just looking at you know. I mean, can I, can we say maybe Greg is saying I think we're going to get through. I think we can do this lineup, get through, and I can save Zimmerman a little bit. That is. If that's truly the chess move he was making, that is risky as hell. That's pretty bold. I'd love to know the actual internals of why he thought to do that. I don't care what he actually says to the media. I'm saying I'd love to know what was on in his head. Yeah. Um, but speaking of Greg Berhalter, let's let's be clear about something. And I think this one is is up for debate with a lot of people, but I don't feel there's much of a debate. You are allowed to question Greg Berhalter's decisions, even if he gets this as he has gotten this team through to the knockout rounds. You are allowed to say this team is good enough to get to the knockout rounds. I think it was something that we all hoped would happen. Greg Berhalter certainly has some questions to answer. He deserves plenty of credit too, for some decisions he's made. Of course. Why can't we live in a world where it's both? 
And and I think Greg has done a lot of good. I think let, let's talk about the good before we raise some questions. What here are some positives I thought of with Greg Berhalter. You give me what you think as well, Beam. Okay. Uh, number one, you advanced, so that's always good. That's a big positive. That's a huge positive. Um, going back to a year and a half ago, he won the recruiting battle for Eunice Musa. Yeah. For people who don't know that story, Eunice Musa, born to Ghanaian parents in New York City, just so happened to be in New York City. How lucky is that? Yes. Because <laughs> otherwise he'd have no ties to the U.S. Grew up mostly in Italy and England. Yeah. In, I mean, played in the English national team structure as a youth player from the age of nine up until basically two years ago, and then was switched over to the U.S., but still had eligibility to play wherever he wanted to. Greg recruited him and said, you need to stay with us. You need to be with the U.S. He decided to do it. And now he's he's one of the key reasons why you are advancing out of this group. I remember a couple of years ago talking about when yeah. Eunice, Musa, Eunice Musa made his decision. To commit and to the And we thought US. it was huge at the time. And you know what? Two years later, or however long it's been, it is proving out to be very huge. It was March of 2021. Okay. That's how, I mean. So a year and a half ago. Almost post, two years. It was post the start of the pandemic and all that. Like, that's where my mind is like, was it before 2020? Right. That's, an, that's a eons different ago. Right. But if it was after like March 2020, then it's like fairly recently. It was March of 2021 that he decided, yeah, I'm going to stick with the U.S. All right. Like, I'm just saying. That's and now 18 month, months later, he's playing like that in a World Cup. Yeah. Um, for us, so, not England. Yeah, exactly right. Um, on the positive side for Greg Berhalter, and this is a testament to, again, all these guys we've mentioned who are playing lights out defense. You have two shutouts in the group stage, something that has not occurred. The U.S. has not recorded two shutouts in a World Cup since 1930. Jesus. Quick math on that. I believe 1930 was the original World Cup. <laughs> so it happened you get in third the first place? one. Yeah. When they got third place. Out of three a, teams. Yeah, at a much smaller tournament. Since then, they've not done this. So kudos to the system, to the ideas of Greg Berhalter. To the, and again, he did that yesterday with no Walker Zimmerman for 70 minutes of that game. Mm-hmm. I didn't see that coming. I thought that was a bad idea. Positive for Greg for me. Matt Turner, good job. Oh, yeah. Matt Turner, good job. Matt Turner's playing great. He it was a good decision because he, he is yeah. playing pretty well at the moment. It got nervy when that ball went right through his legs at the Ooh. end of the game, and I about had a heart attack and died at the bar yeah. yesterday. But other than that, I think Matt Turner has been very composed. I think so, too. So I think I that think was a nailed, good decision. I think he nailed the goalkeeping decisions. And, and again, went away from a guy who everyone expected Zach Steffen was just going to be gifted it because, yep, because Zach, Zach Steffen's Steffen. his boy. Yep. And it's like, well, he is. But Greg made a good decision for the U.S. there. I'll as like much as I, on that. Yep. Yeah, yeah. Um, now, the negatives, the questions. I have one. Go ahead. Where in the flying hell is Gio Rain at? So there's a lot to unpack there. Did you see the video after the they yep. get back to the hotel and they're celebrating? Everyone's celebrating. He has headphones on. Looks like he wants to die. Right. And, man, I, I don't know how to feel about that I if I'm either. him. If I'm him, I don't know how to feel about that. Because, like, yeah, man, I'm happy for my team. I'm happy about this. I feel like I That's could be contributing. I It's a tough look. It is not great. I, I acknowledge all that. So there's a few things here. Eric Winalda, who is... Another U.S. national teamer who also has a lot of history with 
the U.S. national team and drama. Not Jeannie Wijnaldum. Different guy no, entirely. No, Eric Wijnaldum. But go look up the 98 World Cup if you want to find out about the drama and the stuff surrounding. He, yeah, a lot of stuff going on there. Eric Wijnaldum also is a legendary, and pardon for the younger years who may be listening, legendary shit stirrer. Like, he's been in the soccer media for a while, and he used to be on some pretty big platforms. Now he's not so much because he says a lot of things, kind of just shoots from the hip, and I, I don't know, man. He's just a loose cannon. So take what he says with a grain of salt. But he certainly is – he knows Claudio Reyna, and they would have – they're guys who played together. They have, I would assume, a pretty good relationship. He claimed on an interview – he was on a Twitter space. Okay. Uh, I think it was after the Wales game or the England game where he, I think it it was after the Wales game because that was when Berhalter said, oh yeah, Gio has a little bit of a knock and we're not, you know, Winalda basically said he's been consoling Claudio Reina because uh, that's BS. The manager asked Gio to go along with that story, but it's not true. And Gio basically after that game, if you remember, he was interviewed and he said, I'm hundred percent, I'm ready to go. Mm -hmm. So then now the, there's the thought of there's some drama between Greg Berhalter and Gio Reyna. Gio Reyna didn't help out his cause by being a whiny little baby walking through a team hotel when you're celebrating huge. That way. does not help. But again, I don't know if maybe like he was celebrating on the bus and everybody was happy. And sure. then he just came in there and had his headphones on for two minutes. And that's the clip we saw. Right. And then afterwards he was right back to celebrating and all that. I don't know. But I also know this. There's a picture of Gio Reyna and Greg Berhalter hugging after the game yesterday, and they're both all smiles, and he's all smiles. And so people are like, ah, see, there's no drama here. It's all good. I think it could probably be somewhere in the middle. I bet you it's complicated, yeah. But what I am saying is I do not understand the reasons why Gio Reyna is not seeing the field. If you want to say I don't want to start him, fine. fine. But I don't know how I'd love to see him get 30 minutes. I don't know how he's not your first sub off the bench. I don't know how I still... To this day, I will not understand how Jordan Morris has gotten more time. Shaq Moore has gotten more time in this World Cup than Giovanni Reyna. I you have to you have to explain it to me like I'm twelve or five. I can't. Twelve year olds get it. Explain to me like I'm two. I don't I don't understand that. So is it wrong to question Greg Berhalter on that? No, I don't think it is. To say, would this have been easier? Maybe you win by three goals and you're not sweating it out. Think about if that penalty gets called. Yeah. To me, there's an, an a very easy travel to an alternate universe. You don't have to go through millions of them. Like the next one over, that's a penalty and it's tied and we lose in heartbreaking or we we tie in heartbreaking fashion and miss going to the next, you know, to the next round. The good news was is that it was blatantly not a penalty. So No, but we've seen referees. Mean, yeah, we've seen referees. Especially call in this stuff. tournament. Yeah. We've seen them call things that and, and they get it reviewed and everything else. But the fact that he didn't even go to the VAR was, mm-hmm. oh, I was so relieved. I w- That was where my relief was. And then you have that one you have to clear off the line, Walker Zimmerman. How about the near post header as well? That oh, looked like that was going to go was wide in. open too, and yeah. he knew it. That I forget which player it was for them who had was that the best header. chance, yeah. And he, and he just was almost crying on the field when he missed it. Because that was the one. That it was, was. It was. It was a great chance. You're always going to get a team is always going to get another chance, the last chance in the game. And that was the best one. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I was watching that game here during, I was how watching the second do, half. How are you doing? You know what? I did. Okay. I was able to focus in. We did the radio show the second half. It was, it helped that we had a goal. Cause then I just knew like, as long as there's not I, like, if it holds, then we're good. It wasn't like I'm waiting to see a goal. The goal was already there. I just mm-hmm. needed them to finish it out. 
that made it a little easier. But you know who I think I had it easier than as much as I was struggling to get through that and not seeing my team? Do you know who they had calling the England-Wales game? Ian On, Dark. Yeah. You know who's paired with him? No. Landon Donovan. Oh, okay. Landon Donovan is sitting there. The this, <laughs> the last time they were in a World Cup, right? Well, I don't think he was in the last one. I think they left him off the roster. But prior to that, he had one of the biggest moments in 2010 we've ever seen. <laughs> He's got to call England-Wales while I'm sure keeping an eye on the U.S. national team. Don't you think he'd want to be... <laughs> I mean, he's in. I'm sure he's like he's I got a t- he's got a TV on. I know, but I'm vicinity. saying he's calling England Wales and probably has one eye on that and one eye on like, oh yeah, this is wow, what a great job there by England anyway. And he's just I he Marcus had to be Rashford, good goal, huh? Dude, by the way, well, we don't have to talk much about that game, but your boy Marcus Rashford is having he had a day. That free kick, it's nasty, just sick. Sick goal. And My guy, he, I love him. And then he had a second one. That that second goal was nice. Phil Foden, welcome into the World Cup. Mm-hmm. He's having a moment. That was so for England. Give, they're, they're playing well. I'm glad they forgot Phil Foden existed during our game. That was nice. Yeah, it was nice. Uh, by the way, you were at Zaftig on Black Friday when we were just happened to have a little get-together. You yeah, know? right. Um, and so we were also there yesterday enjoying it, and there was, I believe, one, you know, we would go there and, we watch Manchester United games, yeah. and there's a there's a nice nice British British guy there. His name is Ben, English Ben, not okay. Manchester Joe, not Manchester different, Joe, yeah, different guy entirely. Uh, so English Ben was there, and he got the sh- the hell boot out of him. Uh, almost cussed. Sorry, he got the hell boot out of him on Friday when he walked in because he was you know rocking his three lions gear and everybody's like, boo boo, get out of here, and he's loving it. He's like, give me all you got. Come on, England, come on, he's doing the whole thing right. And so yesterday. He walked in again. He texted me. He's like, hey, man, are you going to be there? I was like, yeah, I'll be there. He goes, can we get, a, we get you know, one TV on, on the England game? I was like, yeah, that can probably work out. There's one TV over in the corner, like far deep in the corner that nobody had eyes on. And the bar manager's like, I can get you on this TV, man, but everyone here is yeah, obviously we're all here wrapped for this. He's like, I get it. I understand it. And so he's going nuts when Rashford scores, and he's also a United supporter, so he's going crazy on that. So it was really funny because when that game ended, they went to the U.S. broadcast. Yes. They went to the USA game. That broadcast of the England game broadcasting the U.S. game was about five seconds ahead yes. of yes. the TVs that were on the USA game. Yeah, we had and the so same thing here. so we had to scramble to get those TVs off. Oh, yeah, right. Like literally just turn them off. Don't worry about changing the channel. Just turn them off. Yeah. And that was at the time, I mean, it was, you know, the end of the game. It was nine minutes of stoppage time. Iran's putting balls in and chances left and right. Oh. And it was so funny, too, because he's like, I can't really see over there what's going on. And I'm having a hard time seeing England and everything. And I'm like, Ben, it's all right. It's fine. And then they turned the TV off uh, over in the corner. And then I looked up right behind me. This big, gigantic TV had the England game on the whole time. Oh, and I said, Ben, <laughs> the, That's the game the was on right was behind right you. He goes, what the hell is that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, God. <laughs> Oh, he could have been watching the big screen. Anyways, of- he was having a good time. Every England won, the U.S. won. All was good, and you're both through to the knockout rounds. Yeah, yeah. It's 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 quite the day. So England and the U.S. advance out of Group B. Uh, we will talk about who advanced out of Group A and the hey. matchup for the U.S. coming up on Saturday, 10 a.m. That is all brought to you next. We will talk about that. You're listening to Bone and Beam United, brought to you by Zaftig Italian Village.
brought to you by Zaftig Italian Village. All right, so the U.S. plays the Netherlands Saturday morning, 10 a.m. What a what a game this is going to be. Um, let's first answer a question that I know a few people have had. What are they called? Netherlands, Holland, or the Dutch? The answer is all of them. Yes. What is the famous line from Austin Powers? There's two things there's, I can't stand. There's two kind of people that I can't stand in this world. People who are intolerant of other people's cultures and the, the Dutch. Dutch. <laughs> Michael Caine. What a great, what a great actor. Anyway, um, the other, the question that I think people have, or maybe you don't, but you should have, what's a yellow card situation? What does that all mean? Yep. Um, so the world cup has different rules for this. Yellow card accumulations, do matter because if you get two of them in a, in a span of time, mm-hmm. then you get a suspension, an automatic suspension. It's based, It's the same as a red card. Yes. Yellow card accumulation. So, Beamer, um, what is the rule on that as far as what the World Cup currently has? All right. If you are wondering about the 2022 FIFA World Cup yellow card suspension situation, because we had to ask ourselves this this morning because I do believe you have five players on the U.S. that are on yellow cards, if I am I correct in saying that, uh, Mr. Bone? We have five players, yes. All right. So yellow cards do carry over from the group stage to the round of 16. All right. You do have a carryover. So it's not like they stop in the group stage and you get a clean slate in the round of 16. They carry over into the round of 16. If a player receives one yellow card in the group stage and another one in the round of 16, they are ineligible for the team's quarterfinal matchup. However, there is a clean slate on from the quarterfinals into the semifinals. Right. So So, it will reset. The yellow card situation will reset no matter what. Whoever wins on Saturday will reset after the round of 16, and you will get a clean slate into the quarterfinals. Whoever wins. That's the rule for the entire tournament. Yeah. So let's just go through real quick. Who has yellow cards for the U.S.? Uh, Serginho Dest has a yellow card. Weston McKinney has a yellow card. Tyler Adams has a yellow card. Tim Ream has a yellow card. And Kellen Acosta. Four of those five coming in the Wales game. Yeah. Uh, Tyler Adams got one yesterday. No one got one in the England game. Yeah. That one yesterday was soft. soft. That was very soft. I didn't like that call. Um, so who has them for the Netherlands? I was just trying to pull this up. So it looks like in their game against Cutter, uh, Nathan Ake got one uh, for them. Mm-hmm. And then let's see if I can find the other two. Um, this is good. I'm just doing it on the fly. That's fine. I don't think I don't think anyone for the Netherlands got a yellow card in the Ecuador game, and in the Senegal game, there Mephistolict. was. Oh yeah, yep, he got one as well. So they've got two guys on yellows. Not, that, I mean, not that that matters for this game, but like you don't get sent off in the game. Yeah. But what I'm saying is, I hope it doesn't matter for the Netherlands, honestly. But that's their situation as well. All that could mean is those guys that have those yellow cards may either have to play tentatively. I mean, at, at, at some point though, I mean, hell, Serginho Dest has been playing on a yellow card for two games. Right. Plus, because he was playing with it in the, he had got that one fairly early. I want to say him and McKenney both got it fairly early in the Wales game. Right. So they've managed to play with that situation. Same with Tim Ream. Tyler Adams got it yesterday, but he, he was able to handle that the rest of the game. So that's something to keep an eye on for the U S in this matchup. How do we feel about the Netherlands, though, Beamer? I mean, I'll tell you this. Between them and Senegal, I'm kind of glad the U.S. is playing the Netherlands. Yeah, which is a weird thing to comprehend. And I was having this conversation with somebody yesterday down at Zaftig that Senegal, very good. And you would have wondered 
where their goals are going to come from without Sadio Mane. Senegal, frightening with Sadio Mane. Oh, my God. Very good without him would be terrifying to face with him. Yeah, they would be uh, arguably one of the top three performers in the tournament, I feel like, if Sadio Mane was there. So, Kaladu Koulibaly, who just made a big money move to transfer, or a big money move to Chelsea, big offseason transfer, um, scoring in the 70th minute, and I believe Ecuador scored in like the 66th, and then Senegal came right down the field. Yep, They were on the doorstep, and like, poof, got it, and then were able to see it out. So that game was drama-filled as well, so that was pretty cool to see uh, for Senegal moving on. Uh, As far as your opponents go, Netherlands, you have one game against them in your history for the U.S., and you're actually 1-0 against them, and that game happened back in 2015, and that was a 4-3 victory and a friendly against the Netherlands. As far as they go, and you look at what they do and who they are, we have talked about this guy at length before, doing the club shows, doing the national shows. That is Virgil van Dyke. That yeah. is one of, if not the best defender in the world. When he is on his day, when he's he on is, his day, he is hands down the best defender in the world when he's on. He is still one of the best in the world when he has bad games. But there's something weird going on with the Netherlands and him. He just looks bored. Like when they play, he's just like, ah, whatever. I don't yeah. Know. Like, I don't, I don't know how to comprehend that. I've been watching this team a lot. The guy who we told you to watch out for as well when we were doing our previews was Cody Gakpo. Well, all of a sudden, three goals, three matches. <laughs> Cody Gakpo has been their con- most consistent player easily. Um, but, yeah, the Virgil van Dijk thing's odd because if you've watched Liverpool, you know that, like, this is not a new development, that he's looked a little off just in general. Like, he's not been having his best club season either. Right. So, yeah, I don't know what to make of all that with him, but don't underestimate a defense led by Virgil van Dyke. That's what I would say. Goals are going to be at a premium. It is going to be tough to come by for and the U S and Mathis to Yeah. They've both got the yellow cards. So. I honestly, though, I, I think when you look at this paper, like when you look at this matchup on paper, I think for sure they have the better defensive line. And I think they're going to be a tough nut to crack. But when you look at the midfield, I oh. think the U S is far superior to them. Like it's again, it's a huge blow without Jeannie Wijnaldum. Because if, if he's yeah, in, then maybe it's a little in, it's bit of a different, different story. Yeah. Like Frankie De Jong, a terrific, tremendous player. And he got a goal yesterday for them where they cruised past Cutter 2 to nothing, where it was kind of a joke. But, like, their midfield I don't think is as good as the U.S. Yes, they have Cody Gakpo. Yes, Memphis is working off of an injury. Like, they look terrifying in spurts. But heading into a knockout round against a team that qualified number one in their group, who is top ten in the world – it's about as good, I think, as you can dr- possibly draw up. It's not like you are drawing France. No, not no, like you're no, drawing no. England. I mean, you already played them to a nil-nil draw. Well, that's the thing, man. When you say that the U.S. has a better midfield right now than than what the Netherlands has, you could make the argument that in that game against England, the U.S. midfield outplayed England's midfield. Yeah, I think that's not a stretch to say. So that means the U.S. has a midfield that is currently playing as good as some of the best midfields in this tournament. Are they the best midfield in this tournament? No. Are they one of the top three or four? Yeah. I'd I'd say on performance. Now, maybe some of those top teams, they had like easier groups and they felt like. Ask Belgium how their midfield's going. What a mess they are. They are terrible right now. They are a mess. I mean, hell. Argentina has had struggles. I know that by the time you listen to this, some of this will yeah. be settled with their group. Uh, they have the big one with Poland or wait. Yeah. Yeah. They play Poland. 
and Mexico Saudi Arabia. play Saudi Arabia for that group. Okay. But that all is still left to play for. What's going to happen in that group, we will find out. But I'm just saying some of the teams that you would say, oh, they've got the best midfield. They've got one of the best midfields. There's some been some teams struggling. The U.S. is not one of those. And especially defensively, I think it will come down to, and this is where the Netherlands has the edge. They've got a goal scorer that is proven in Gakpo that he's been able to get a goal every game this tournament. They also have a goal a goal scorer that is proven in Memphis oh. who has been dealing with injury, but when he plays for the Netherlands is usually terrific. Yeah, and don't don't underestimate this part of it too. Um, Serginho Dest is, I mean, he has the ties to the Netherlands. Like his his family, he grew up there. He played for Ajax. Like this is a guy who very easily could be playing for La Orange instead yeah. of playing for the U.S. So you know the pressure is going to be on him. He's going to want to show that he's made the right choice and playing for the U.S. and take it to the country he grew up in. Like. I'm sure it's going to be a confliction for him too. Maybe it'd be one of those things where if he scored, maybe he wouldn't celebrate it quite the same oh, way. I you think know? if he scores, he's going to go nuts. I think, I know, but you've seen that with other guys where sure. it's like they score and it's like they could hands have played up. for the country. They do the hands up thing. I don't know if that would be the right. I kind of think if you score against the Netherlands in a knockout round, like you're probably going nuts. Yeah, I would think so. But by the way, 18 matches unbeaten for the Netherlands. All right. Uh, that sounds like a streak that needs to end. <laughs> All good streaks come to an end, Beamer. That's what I know. All right. Any other thoughts on this before we close it out? Um, I just had a great time yesterday. Oh, I was, I was nervous about shit my pants. I was, I was terrified. Yeah, I mean, terrified. Yeah, I get that. I'm excited. I will. This I get nothing for saying this, but I will say I was out at Zaftig on the England game on Black Friday, um, and I saw so many of those supporters supply company jerseys, yep. and I'd been wanting one anyway, but I. Whatever reason, it was just one of those, like, yeah, I need to get one of those, and I never pulled the trigger. And I saw so many of them, and they looked so good. Went home, bought one, got it in the mail, wearing that one on Saturday. I got a uh, the the dark blue one oh, with, nice. the stri- yeah. with the stars on it, and I got a number 20, two reasons for that. One, Brian McBride's number was 20, so I like that symmetry. Two, Dos Acero. So it's always going to be in style, like, Pretty right? Good. A 2 nothing is always on the shirt. Like I, I thought that was fun. Austin so, Ward, your guy, yeah, has a seventy-six. I thought about a seventy-six Hancock jersey. <laughs> that's <laughs> I think good. That's pretty true. That's pretty good. Hancock is that's that's a nice. That, see, I, there's so many ways because they, they let you pick whatever number you want to. And I was like, right. do I want to get an actual player? Because I thought about just getting like Tyler Adams' number, and I was like, but it's I don't know who's going to end up wearing that number down the road or whatever. I, I don't know. So I went with 20 just cause I was like, I know that that number's good. And I like, I'm getting a Jordan team. Morris Jersey. Make sure you tell evil ball Colin when you do, <laughs> yeah. he'll be thrilled to know. All right. Uh, also for people who've been asking Zaftig opens up at 8 a.m. on Saturday yeah. and every other day, 8 a.m. And they have coffee, they have breakfast, they have delicious beer. Keep that in your back pocket for whatever it's worth. All right. We will be back later today with another World Cup wrap-up for groups uh, C and D as they get wrapped up today. We will talk about that coming up later today. Thanks for listening to Bone and Beam United.